For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Good evening, everyone. Um, Richard Bograd, I'm, I haven't met you. Where are you coming to us from? I can't hear you. You're muted. I, I live here in Chicago. Oh, great. Okay. Well, uh, I'll, I'll introduce you and everyone. I think everyone else knows Co. Carol Orson, who is on our board of directors and is our assistant director. And I'm looking forward very much to your speech, although I know I can't control it. <laughs> no one can, um, especially me. So I had a horrible sore throat um, yesterday, um, actually through the weekend. And yesterday I sounded like a Muppet. Um, so by the grace of God, you're not hearing me as a Muppet, just as a rough-voiced person right now. Um, so thank you, everybody. Um, it's so good to see you. Um, and thank you, Tygen, for asking me um, to, to give a Dharma talk. It's, it's so rich for me to discover what I want to say when given this sort of opportunity. So when Tygen asked me to give this talk, I pondered um, what I should talk about. And what rose for me was a title. Um, and the title was The Corrosive Fantasy of Control. And uh, once I had the title, I had to figure out what I had to say that would support the title. I was very pleased with the title, <laughs> but I wasn't sure what um, I would be saying um, around that. So I turned to um, what I often do, and I'm really enjoying um, looking at the etymology or the origins of words. And um, I found out the corrosive um, shares the same root as rodent, and it means to gnaw away at. And so I was thinking about this quality of corrosiveness um, that comes out with control and what is not at. Um, and what rose for me was this um, quality of the truth of reality of the oneness of all being. And if you are practicing control over another, you are perceiving them as other than you. So the attempt to control something or someone else is automatically corrosive to this quality of the wholeness that we're all interpenetrated. So that was a, 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 a discovery. And um, then fantasy had to do with making visible what's in your imagination. So, so seeing something that's in your imagination, which may or may not be true in the outside world. And then control, I, I, I hadn't known it. It's contra, um, contra wrote, Rotulus, or it's against the wheel. And there was a medieval um, uh, apparatus that when counting people coming into a place that were going to be monitored, controlled, 
they had this um, this device that would reproduce the other. So you do one set of, of, of recording numbers and this would control to get a second set. So you knew exactly what it was, which makes sense when you think about the scientific use of a control group. So, but the, the, the actual way we use control now, um, I went to my friend at thesaurus and uh, synonyms for control um, include authority, discipline, domination, force, govern or government, manage, regulate, restrain, restrict, rule, supervise. So again, those are the, that's the kind of family of what we think of as control. And it's a mixed bag because I can have a positive attitude about discipline. Um, discipline is part of my practice. Um, but um, domination, I have a definite a negative reaction to. So what is this control thing? Um, and then I also sought out um, who better um, than our first ancestor in the uh, United States, um, Suzuki Roshi in Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, has a chapter on control. And I'm going to go ahead and read the first couple paragraphs. To live in the realm of Buddha nature means to die as a small being moment after moment. When we lose our balance, we die. But at the same time, we also develop ourselves. We grow. Whatever we see is changing, losing its balance. The reason everything looks beautiful is because it is out of balance, but its background is always in perfect harmony. This is how everything exists in the realm of Buddha nature, losing its balance against a background of perfect balance. So if you see things without realizing the background of Buddha nature, everything appears to be in the form of suffering. But if you understand the background of existence, you realize that suffering itself is how we live and how we extend our life. So in Zen, sometimes we emphasize the imbalance or disorder of life. Nowadays, traditional Japanese painting has become pretty formal and lifeless. That is why modern art has developed. Ancient painters used to practice putting dots on paper in an artistic disorder. This is rather difficult. Even though you try to do it, usually what you do is arranged in some order. You think you can control it, but you cannot. It is almost impossible to arrange your dots out of order. It is the same with taking care of your everyday life. Even though you try to put people under some control, it is impossible. You cannot do it. The best way to control people is encourage them to be mischievous. Then they will be in control in, a, in its wider sense. To give your sheep or cow a large, spacious meadow is the way to control him. So it is with people. First, let them do what they want and watch them. This is the best quality, best policy. To ignore them is not good. That is the worst policy. The second worst is trying to control them. The best one 
is to watch them, just watch them without trying to control them. And he goes on to talk about oneself in meditation. As I looked at control, I found there's two different ways, um, two different domains of using control. One is trying to control others or things out there or that we perceive as out there. And the other is trying to control the things in here. Um, and I'm going to look close uh, exclusively tonight at controlling the things out there. There might be the seeds of another Dharma talk to look at the inward sense of control, that self-controlling. But I think I think there's plenty to, to look at tonight in looking at what is it to control something out there or perception of out there. And one of the things I love about this particular passage is the way Suzuki Roshi plays with the idea of control. That for him, there's a narrow sense of control, which is a more conventional thing. I'm trying to control you. I want this, so I'm going to herd you this way. But he also talks about what is wider control, um, which is something for me to, to, to spend some time chewing on. That when you encourage someone to be mischievous, meaning to follow their own quirky intentions against the rules or outside of the rules is the way to have some control in a wider sense, um, which I would suggest also has something to do with that wholeness, the things that we're told we can't or shouldn't do, but we kind of want to do. If those are excluded, then we're gnawed at by those rodents of control um, a little bit. There's something There's something disavowed or not allowed in, in the fullness of who we are, which is not to say give free range to every destructive impulse that rises for us, which is why we have training and why we have the practice that we do. Um, so. All my ancient twisted karma, born through beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, born through body, speech, and mind. That's what we're born into. We have a stream, certainly in the United States, we have a historical stream of controlling others. Um, The Friday morning decolonization group has been really fabulous for um, observing how the wounds in our country of having controlled other people unjustly, um, the whole form of colonization. So it's, it's all over the world, but just knowing this area of the United States right now, thinking about the controlling of the folks who were living here when those of us who are of European descent came, what was it? I mean, the trail of tears, I mean, the incredible brutality that has been perpetrated and shaped this world that we now live in. And 
how do all of those threads choke us now? It's that there's, um, I had a conversation with a friend yesterday and her partner And, uh, and who is also a personal friend, but she revealed to me that that this friend had a grandfather who was born into slavery. Slavery is not that distant in our past. The wounds are still so fresh and so binding. And that is what we have inherited in our time. I think that as we go deeper and deeper, into our practice of realizing justice or, or longing for justice or awakening compassion. As we go deeper into that, we see the places that we're all bound up with that history. Um, I, I had the image of uh, uh, Gordon's not the, the knot that could not be undone, um, that was so tight and tied. And ultimately, they, they said whoever could untie it would become the ruler of Asia, which again, would go historically, I want to be the ruler, I want to have the large control. That's what we long for, or many of us have longed for historically and our ancestors. And it was solved by... Um, Alexander cutting through the knot. So people hold that up as thinking outside the box. But as I sit with that, that's cheating. We the, the things that bind us can't be cut through like that, or I don't know how to. So, so we need clever fingers that will loosen the knot and will pull here, pull there, try and undo this bit by bit collectively, we need to first acknowledge and find those clutching strands of control in us. Um, I know I was raised by people who um, would use physical violence to get me to act the way I was supposed to, the way they wanted me to. And it was done when my mother would spank me, she almost always said, I do this because I love you, which was very confusing. <laughs> and yet I also think that's true. She, she was trying to raise me to be in the world the way she had been trained. It was necessary to be in the world. And in many ways, the reason that control has been used like that is because superficially it works that if you can elicit fear in somebody through threat or violence, the person could is willing to contort themselves to do what you want, at least in your presence. Um, so it's a fantasy of control and it's a superficial control, but I, what, what I, in my studies have much more faith in this cause and effect and cause and effect kind of can parallel the idea of, of control, but it, that sort of controlling, which minimizes the world 
ultimately doesn't lead us where I think we wanted to go. So, and as I said, this is not new. A cursory look at, at history will show this has been going on for quite a long time. And one of the things I do love about Zen practice is that it gives us ways of, of working with this. And as this has been a practice in humanity for quite some time, all my ancient twisted karma coming through all my ancestors and lineage bound into me, into my DNA even. We've, we've evolved in a world where those who, who could forcibly grab what they want survived. How do we observe this? And, and again, Zen meditation is such a great way to, to begin to see where I am stuck, where I am bound, and how I bind others. How I've been taught if I want the fantasy of what life I want, I sometimes feel like I have to do force on others or manipulation on others, which is another form uh, in some ways of violence. Um, So I looked at our first ancestor in Japan, um, who we heard about, and in his, um, in Shobu, um, so that's Dogen Zenji, who was a a 13th century um, brilliant poet, teacher, founder of of, um, monasteries. And in Shobu Genzu, one of his later fascicles is called um, Only a Buddha and a Buddha, or Only a Buddha Together with a Buddha. And in the fifth section of that, I just want to hold this up. Um, Long ago, this is from, uh, this is the translation from um, Moon and Dewdrop. So long ago, a monk asked an old master, when hundreds, thousands, or myriads of objects all come at once, what should be done? The master replied, don't try to control them. And then Dogen's response to this story is, what he means is that in whatever way objects objects come, do not try to change them. Whatever comes is the Buddha Dharma, not objects at all. Do not understand the master's reply as merely a brilliant admonition, but realize that it is the truth. Even if you try to control what comes, it cannot be controlled. And that's what's happening, right? Every moment of our life, um, uh, hundreds, thousands, or myriads of objects all come at once. Like right now, um, there's a, a ficus, there's birds outside, there's each of your faces, there's what I eat for dinner. Myriad things are coming at me at once. And the advice is don't try to control them. In part because I can't. This myriad of objects coming at me cannot be controlled in part because they're not separate from me. They, they are me. They are revealing the Buddha Dharma and the truth in every moment. So 
So I'm going to go back a little bit earlier in that fascicle, that same fascicle in the fourth section. That was just the fifth section, because I think that he put the answer um, uh, ahead of that particular question. Uh, Again, um, uh, from Moon in a Dewdrop, an ancient Buddha said, the entire universe is the true human body. The entire universe is the gate of liberation. The entire universe is the eye of Vairochana. The entire universe is the Dharma body of the self. The true human body means your own true body. Know that the entire universe is your own true body, which is not a temporary body. If someone asks you why we do not usually notice this, say, just reflect within yourself that the entire universe is the true human body, or say, the entire universe is the true human body. Already you know this. Also, the entire universe is the gate of liberation. Means that you are not at all entangled or um, captivated. I know Dylan was with me. There was a time that when Reb came to... uh, Minnesota Zen Center. And one of his teachings that practice or that um, session was that if you want to see yourself, look at all the myriad beings, look at everything else. If you want to look for anything else, look in here, because everything that's out there is in here and everything in here is out there. So if you're willing to dominate and minimize and in the, t- in the thought of our history with slaves, where you, you had no freedom of what to do with your body, you had no access to, to um, nutritious content for your mind. When you deny the fullness of another, you're denying the fullness here for this self. Um, which is, I think, why the idea of control is a fantasy. Perhaps you're when you're controlling people and taking their land away and then strip mining it, your bank account numbers go up and you consider that a success. But if you look at the true body, there's a a profound diminishment of the world, which is what you are. Um, So And I also, um, the other thing that was coming to me was the idea of, there's this quality of the future that we get from trying to control and trying to extract and trying to get more of for this small self um, that Suzuki Roshi says that we die to each moment. That's our practice is to die to the small self. But if instead we um, reify this small self and then try to gain material things by impoverishing the world, in reality, we are impoverished. So the question that keeps rising for me is instead of control, working with that quality of intention, 
what is my intention? And that grows out of my practice of being settled and stilled in, in Zen meditation and also um, listening to wisdom from past teachers, current teachers, and, you know, and Richard's cat that comes out every once in a while when Zoom's going on. There's, there's wisdom from all directions that help us find an intention that can give us a little ballast about which way are we going. We're not just being buffeted by um, our ancient twisted karma of, of the momentum of history, because I think history is, is moving us very quickly in a direction that we are not going to enjoy um, finding ourselves. Um, I'm thinking about the mass extinctions that are going on right now. And yet. So in thinking about what sort of future we want, I think about gardening. Um, and to say, this is the plant I want to nourish here. And what is it to nourish it? I cannot control my tomato plants to grow. But I can create the conditions as I deeply believe in cause and effect. And the conditions to bring forward, I can work on the conditions that can allow the plants I want through my intention, through, again, a deep stillness that can hear that small, still voice within, that can hear the echoes of wisdom from the past. Where am I going to put my manure? You know, where am I going to water? Uh, what do I want to sprout? Because again, Thich Nhat Hanh talks a lot about each of us having um, all of the seeds in us, the seeds of hate, the seeds of, you know, greed, the seeds of joy, the seeds of compassion, all these, we are seeded, you know, um, with all the options. And then the tension is, what seeds do I want to nourish and where do I want to weed? Um, even though the song of the grass hut extolled the weeds and allowing the, the weeds to grow up in my garden, some things are, uh, I tell my daughter when I'm weeding with her, she, cause she gets excited about the idea of pulling out plants. And I say, there are no thank you plants and there are yes, please plants. Um, and I try to show her what the no thank you plants are versus the yes, please plants. My daughter is too for those who don't know. So again, we can't force the growth of another, but we can help create the conditions of another's growth, which collectively, I believe, will make much more likely the future that we long for. Um, I have another quote, again, the, the, in the fantasy, rather than the corrosive or the control. Um, I have a little section from um, The Myth of Freedom by Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, a Tibetan teacher who came and, and, uh, and founded uh, Naropa University in uh, Boulder. 
and he and Suzuki Roshi knew each other. And I, from my understanding, quite respected one another, even though they're very different characters. So his first chapter in the myth of freedom is called fantasy and reality. If we were to plant the complete Buddhist, if we are to plant the complete Buddhist teachings in American soil, we must first understand, understand the fundamental principles of Buddhism and work through its basic meditation practices. Many people respond to Buddhism as if it were a new cult, which might save them, which might enable them to deal with the world in a manner of picking flowers in a beautiful garden. But if we wish to pick flowers from a tree, we must first cultivate the roots and trunk, which means that we must work with our fears, frustrations, disappointments, irritations, and painful, the painful aspects of life. People complain that Buddhism is an extremely gloomy religion because it emphasizes suffering and misery. Usually religions speak of beauty, song, ecstasy, bliss. But according to Buddha, we must begin by seeing the experience of life as it is. We must see the truth of suffering, the reality of dissatisfaction. We cannot ignore it and attempt to examine only the glorious, pleasurable aspects of life. If one searches for a promised land, a treasure island, then the search only leads to more pain. We cannot re reach such islands. We cannot attain enlightenment in such a manner. So all sects, sects and schools of Buddhism agree that we must begin by facing the reality of our living situations. We cannot begin by dreaming. That would only be a temporary escape. Real escape is impossible. In Buddhism, we express our willingness to be realistic through the practice of meditation. Meditation is not a matter of trying to achieve ecstasy, spiritual bliss, or tranquility, nor is it attempting to become a better person. It is simply the creation of a space in which we are able to expose and undo our neurotic games, our self-deceptions, our hidden fears and hopes. We provide space through the simple discipline of doing nothing. Actually, doing nothing is very difficult. At first, we must begin by approximating doing nothing, and gradually our practice will develop. So meditation is a way of churning out the neuroses of mind and using them as part of our practice. Like manure, we do not throw, out, throw our neuroses away, but we spread them on our garden. They become part of our richness. And I think this applies to control in that I think it's a somewhat neurotic control to want to control things, to have a fantasy in your mind of what would be pleasant and then try to force everything to do what you imagine is pleasant. I, again, I think that one of the difficulties in American culture is our tolerance for discomfort is becoming smaller. Our, our window for working with discomfort. I mean, you, you, you walk into any room in the wintertime and people are complaining it's too hot, too cold. And, you know, it's just never right. Everybody wants the perfect temperature for their body, as opposed to realizing that there's a range that you can deal with. And meditation, my Lord, uh, Zen meditation certainly um, teaches you how to work with um, uh, uh, discomfort. 
which is a great blessing, um, I find. So rather than trying to control everything, you can learn to tolerate a range, a realistic range. And I just wanted to end with a personal way that I'm working with control um, over others. As I mentioned, I'm living with a two-year-old and and one sees one's parenting again and again when one parents. Uh, what the techniques that were used on you rise, even though upon reflection, sometimes those control effects were not in your best interest. So working with Amaya when she's getting too close to the street, do I physically pick her up? Do I, how do I negotiate controlling? And for me, the hardest time is trying to get her to go into her control, into her car seat she'll go to the other side of the car and be giggling, pushing away. And, and if there's time, if there's spaciousness, just like in meditation, if there's spaciousness, I can sit, I can sit, I can harmonize. I cannot react. There's react is like going against something, getting an opposite, but there's also responding, which is to um, harmonize with more to, to, at the root, again, my etymology is coming out. I'm just going to share that the root of, of respond has, has to do with um, sponsor, and it has to do with the pledge. And, um, and it's the same work for a sponsor, and a sponsor in Latin um, has to do with um, to pledge and to... Oh, spondere is it's a libation and an offering of wine. It's there's this beautiful quality of pledging and cherishing and sanctifying that comes and respond is to to come into harmony with her. And if I can sit, if I don't have a time that I have to get her in the damn seat and get her little body strapped in, so if I'm pulled over, I'm not going to get a ticket. All the controlling things happening. If I can sit with her, we have the time to kind of find a way into it by responding to one another. She responds to my needs and I respond to hers. Um, But in those times where there is not the spaciousness, I find myself throwing her little body into the car seat, holding her down and getting the straps on her. And she hates it and I hate it. And I can feel the... um, the emotional juice that I'm carrying from someplace else. It's not just a, a something of that moment. It's, it's something transmitted that I want to say, that's a no thank you plan and weed out. Um, so that's the personal relation with it that I'm going. So I know I've gone kind of long with this. Um, I'm glad I didn't try to talk about self-control. Um, and I would love if there's any responses or, or actually I want to ask for responses more than questions. If questions come up, that's great. But what is your relationship with control um, at this time? I'll give you that query being a Quaker as well as a, a Zen Buddhist. Um, what is your relationship to control in relation to others? 
And thank you all so much for listening and attending. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for that talk. I really felt like I got the opportunity to, um, to sort of, to feel, to feel the way that your thoughts work, like to feel the way that you (laughs) think your way through things. And I love the way that, that, that this talk like sprouted and blossomed for you that the title came to you. And then, then you, you did this thing of figuring out, okay, how does that, how does it work with the title? So I do have a, I do have a response. Maybe it's a question, but no, anyway, here, here's how it goes. Um, I heard you say, and I love this, that what is it that control corrodes control corrodes the, the, the sort of the, the, the not tunis right the the, yeah. the the one being with and when I think about control I think of it as corroding just the opposite namely corroding difference that like if I'm trying to control somebody or something I'm not acknowledging that well you know if I'm trying to control you I'm acknowledging I'm not acknowledging well you're not me I want you to do this you know this this and this but you're not me and so you won't you won't want to do it the way that I want to do it so that seems like an interesting, I don't know, either duality or, or opportunity to, to, to move beyond duality. I don't know. So that, that's a response. Thank you. And I, again, I think that there are different perspectives. And I think this is such a rich topic that different responses or ways or perceptions are help bring us closer to this this thing. So I might be describing the, the elephant ear and saying it's like a palm and you're saying, no, no, it's like a trunk of a tree. Um, this thing is big. This thing is big. Um, and I think the more we um, give a wholehearted attention to it from as many of our heart mind perspectives as we can, I think the better off we'll be. That's a yes and. Oh, thank you for your talk. The passage you quoted from Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind is my favorite part of that book. Uh, just uh, giving the cow a wide pasture, however he says it, um, and just watching. Um, so, so control as kind of managing and and forcing this or that, it just doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it really does. I mean, it, it can work in some ways at times within limits, but really, ultimately, just, you know, this is something I kind of felt, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, the letting go of control is awakening that, uh, and yet, you also mentioned response, and that which I, I think, within the letting go of trying to control, there is the capacity to respond to situations yeah. without trying to think without mandating some particular result, but just to be present with and respond, which is different from trying to control. It's kind of a subtle difference sometimes, but mm-hmm. uh, anyway, I just, I think it's, this is a, 
hugely important practice topic, and I really appreciate uh, your perspective, and, and thank you for that. It doesn't surprise me that you love the wide field and giving attention, um, because that's your job description. <laughs> But it ain't always easy. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, thank you. Um, Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, this is an incredibly timely talk because I was just struggling with this today because I was. Um, I was watching the kids playing and Violet, the oldest one, wanted to play with the skateboard that Mina, the, the uh, <laughs> middle uh, kid, was, was on. And um, how, did, how did this go? So I, I, felt myself, like, I felt myself start to go to a place of wanting to control how Violet handled the situation. And I was getting upset because she, she's the oldest and she is incredibly smart. And I, I had this voice in me that was like, I know she has it in her to be leading and how to, how to share. And she's not doing this right now. And I've seen it. And, and like, I've noticed a pattern of like wanting, of not seeing that, as often as I would want, you know? And so I, I did try to control the situation by like, you know, um, kind of giving her a, like a, what would you call it? Ever? Like a, like a, a talking to or something, a lecture. I lectured her, I lectured her and, and did like a, you know, you're, you're the oldest and I'm an oldest sibling too. And, that's about you know what part of what that's about is you know helping teach the younger ones how to share and she would did not want to hear it at all like didn't want like like in almost assertively you know like actually not even almost like definitely assertively did not want to hear it and and like was telling me to, to not talk to her and was like trying to divert her attention in other directions and and I, it's the whole interaction has put me in like a really weird mood tonight because you start peeling back the layers of what was happening in that interaction of, you know, I had the, like, of, you know, how, how much of that interaction was not even about Violet at all, but about like my own desire to like be a certain kind of person you know, that I was like putting on to her, you know, and, and that, uh, and, and just kind of accepting. And this is what Amber told me is like, you have to accept that you can't make, you can't make her decisions for her. Like she, you know, she had, she has to, um, you know, uh, she, she has to be herself. 
Yeah. So Amber is saying we like to make we like to think that we can make our kids do things, but we can't. Um, and and you know I'm worried because I want her to be a you know fair and caring big sister. You know that like you know helps show how to share and be a good example and all those things. But like I'm realizing tonight that the more that I try and like make her do that the farther away she's actually going to get from any of that you know and uh or from from believing that it's actually coming from her or something or or Mm. the more control i try to have about that process and and i and it's made me think too of like how many times i bullied my little brother when i was a kid you know and when i was older than she was you know and so uh, it's just been an uncomfortable night of like, want, like wanting to teach something and then realizing that by the, by, by trying to control like that, 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 that exchange or trying to control how she was interacting that I think I was failing really. Like I was, it wasn't, it wasn't actually communicating anything effectively to her. Um, so I've just been in kind of like a strange mood ever since, you know, um, it was a couple hours ago. So thank you. I would just like to hold up that the fantasy of control is not always negative. I gave a lot of negative examples, like a slaveholder or, you know, a greedy corporation um, head. But there, the fantasy of control can also be, I want this sweetness for you. And I'm, I lived through this and, and I, I want to then control you into this sweetness. So it's, yeah. it's not just, yeah. So, so how do you love that part of you that wants that sweetness, goodness in, in this little girl that you love, you adore, you know, you're wholeheartedly devoted to. And then I, one of the things that, someone once said is one of the most difficult things for a child to receive from their parents is um, a doubt of their own goodness. That, that what a child needs is the trust that they will unfold as good human beings coming from their parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, again, that's not something you can control out of a child. But again, I, I go back to my, you know, my, my article of faith that I realize is true and that I'm always looking for is that Buddha nature within, the light of God within, that all beings have this fundamental goodness. And then how do you nurture that goodness without the restraint and constriction? Yeah. And, and so I think I'm learning, like, and it's funny, it's, it's like, when I was first starting to take care of them, this passage from Zen Mind Beginner's Mind that you brought up was, was kind of the template for me of like, okay, I'm just going to watch the game, make sure that nobody's getting hurt, you know, and like, if they'll come to me when something's going wrong, and I'll deal with it when it does. But for the most part, you just kind of hang out, you know, and you show up and you don't, you know, it doesn't have to be much more than that. And now that I've become more and more invested through days and days and days and like now I'm starting to try and like, you know, like, well, this is the way I would want you to do this, you know, and and 
I think I it's time to like take a couple of steps back to like be being a little bit less in not less invested, but more trusting of the process and like yeah. and just what what you know be be the cowboy on the range and just like let that let all this stuff kind of happen and like make sure they know that they're safe, but not try to micromanage it. You know? So Nanshuan said to Jiaozhou, the more you try and approach it, the further away you get. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just watching and, and enc- encouraging, but you, it, I have found out that it's impossible to force people to wake up. <laughs> Thanks, Tiger. Yoshin. You're, you're muted. Goshen, maybe you're far away from your microphone. No, that didn't do it. Mm. We can't hear you. That's terrible. Well, I and can't hear you. Yeah. We heard you at the beginning when we were testing your microphone when you couldn't hear us, and we heard you then. So We're trying to control the situation now. We're trying to get the volume back. Or perhaps respond to the volume. <laughs> All attempts to do things are not necessarily um, wrong hits. Yes. 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 Yes, I get here a yes. It was a little choppy, and then I heard yes. Try a sentence. Okay. Well, I guess, yes, you can hear me. Okay, great. I'll I'll just keep my face really close here. (laughs) What what comes to mind um, for me is the way people try to control nature which is catastrophic for people and nature. And it is a, um, it's really hard to know how to Mm. uh, change that perception of our relationship to nature, of not being acting on it, but being of it. Um, and we do things like straighten rivers and I mean, it's just things that are just crazy when, if you would step back and say, how does all of this work? And even people who are trying to do things to help with things like the climate issue are talking about engineering solutions instead of stopping the bad things <laughs> we're doing. <laughs> it's like engineering solutions this is a way of controlling. And it is so um, destructive mm. and dangerous. And uh, so it's a very important message, but, but it's hard for me to know how to convey the message. Because, uh, as uh, Dylan was saying, talking to little girls, no one wants to hear it. 
So, I mean, my daughter, who is in her late 40s now and a wonderful, successful human being, when she was three years old, she just said, you are not the boss of me. Okay. (laughs) And I, I feel like that is the way the message is received when it goes out uh, from people like scientists who say, well, the way to do this is not to control it, but to understand it. So anyway, thank you for your talk. And thank you for completing my talk. Um, that was a, a large section that I didn't bring in, but a completely important when you're thinking about controlling that, which is out there, what we do to nature is, as you say, insane. <laughs> Killing us, killing us and everything else, everyone yeah. else. And I was going to mention Gershon's great work uh, this week, uh, supporting the uh, lib- liberation of Hogetsu's butterflies. And oh, number four left today. Yay, yay. <laughs> yeah, so so Hogetsu has, I mean, uh, Gershon Laurel has been managing or helping to not control, but to uh, open up and allow the butterflies when they're ready yeah. to, and when the weather situation is ready to receive them to uh, fly away. And it's, it's, it's just a wonderful teaching. Thank you so much, Gershon. Thank you for um, practicing nurture and care rather than control. It's almost time for announcements, but I don't want to control this event. So (laughs) does does anybody else have anything you would like to say? Anyone? 